You are listening to the Addiction Support Podcast, episode number 44. Hi, Oak Creek Wellness family. Welcome to Addiction Support Podcast, where I talk with inspiring people who share their knowledge and experience of addiction and what's working for them. This is addiction support for family and friends from people who've been there. I'm your host, Melissa Sue Tucker. All right, welcome back to another episode of Addiction Support Podcast. This is addictionsupportpodcast.com forward slash episode 44 if you want to see the show notes. This week, Dr. Dean Robb and myself are jumping into a very deep conversation around developing mature, healthy, balanced relationships. I like this one. I think it puts a nice bow on the whole series that we've been doing. And it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's really cool to find out that a lot of times what we're doing, you know, we're coming from the right place. We're coming from love and we're coming from a really, uh, fabulous place. We want to create amazing results with that. And sometimes it's just a little tweak. It's not a huge change. Everything doesn't have to change in your life. It can be just looking at something a different way or asking a certain question that can make everything really amazing and wonderful. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. I hope that you've enjoyed all of them that we've been going into. And if this is your first time jumping in, I just want to let you know for the past, this is the sixth, so the past five episodes, uh, Dr. Rob and I have been taking a very deep dive into this whole topic. And if you'd like to work with him, he leaves all that information towards the end of the podcast. You can find him on the show notes, but he's a really amazing person. If you're finding yourself in this place where you'd like to explore this a little bit more, have a coach that's been there, done that, wants to work with you, reach out to Dr. Rob and uh, have him work with you. He's really uh, an amazing soul and he cares. So without further ado, I hope that you enjoy this episode. So where do you want to start with developing mature, healthy, balanced relationships in recovery? Do you want to start with a definition? Well, let's, let's talk about that. I, I, I mentioned yesterday, and I'll go into this a little bit more today, about this idea of in, this, in a healthy relationship, there are actually three entities. There's, there's you, there's me, and there's us. And in unhealthy relationships, really co- you know, codependent relationships, there's usually just us. Hmm. We're kind of in like this enmeshed psychologically enmeshed couple of people, neither of whom has a uh, full or complete identity, but they're they're sort of trying to use the other person to to complete themselves and they don't have good boundaries emotional boundaries and it's just in a, a mess it's called enmeshment where there's there's just not enough separation between the two people and they're you know highly interdependent but not in a healthy way you know I think I can relate to this when I was younger I remember being in a relationship where like my happiness depended on if he was happy or not and if he wasn't happy I wasn't happy and I mean this is my early 20s I didn't I didn't know that that was unhealthy at that time 
Mm-hmm. So I can relate to that where just you're walking on eggshells and hoping that that other person's feeling okay so that you feel okay. Mm-hmm. And- Absolutely. In fact, I think to your point, our culture, without really being too aware of this, I think, you know, it, it kind of the ideal is that we're supposed to like sort of need each other and com- you hear this a lot we're we're a good couple they complete each other the jerry every- mcguire line yeah every time i hear that i cringe because <laughs> that's the definition of of a codependent relationship okay you know where i'm looking because if i'm trying to use somebody to complete me well, the operative word there is use. Right. I'm using somebody and um, not necessarily consciously, but I'm trying to make them be what I need them to be so that I feel, you know, fill in the blank, good, complete, you know, whatever. And that just never works. The other person, it, I think, ends up resenting and feeling controlled, manipulated, and it's very much. Yeah, and it it actually ends up backfiring because the people end up pushing each other away, um, and in again in in a dysfunctional way because what they're trying to do without realizing it is create space in the relationship. In another word. For space in a relationship is having a you and a me, you know, instead of this us, you know, entangled us, when we're, we're not meant to be that entangled, you know, um, there's something in Khalil Gibran's, one of his books, this just came to my mind where he talks about love isn't and I forget what it isn't, but it's like two trees growing up next to each other. You know, they're 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 growing together, but they're separate trees and they're standing next to each other. That's kind of an image for what we're talking about here. And so a you know a healthy balanced relationship is com- has to be comprised of two um, what I would call individuals, people who have uh, their own identity and are sure of that, or relatively, let's say, sure of that identity so that they don't need that other person to sort of complete their identity because their identity is rooted within themselves yeah. and maybe perhaps uh, within their relationship to a, to a higher power, but it's not dependent on the other person. You know what else is coming up for me right now? I'm thinking in a healthy balanced relationship, there's a lot of compassion, but not a lot of, um, What's the other word? Word, like not taking somebody's feelings on and feeling them for them, but being 
compassionate about how they're feeling. I just um, lost my trying word. to fix them. Yeah, trying to fix them, but there's oh empathy and sympathy. So the difference between, or maybe it's like not being as one of well, those. Not I think what maybe you're saying is you're in a healthier relationship. You can be compassionate and genuinely compassionate without internalizing those feelings. Right. That's, I think that's what I'm trying to say. So there's the difference between caring about that other person and then trying mm -hmm. to take on their problems yeah. or their world. Cause that gets very unhealthy yeah. too. Yeah. Cause they're, you know, down at its root, you know, that's that person's feelings and they have every right to those feelings and your feelings may be separate from that. And there's nothing wrong with that. It, that's, again, codependent people always think they should be feeling the same things. If, you, if you'll notice, you're, you know, if you're not sad when I'm sad, then you don't love me. That kind of stuff. That's the definition of enmeshment. That's interesting. So we know that it doesn't have to look like that. Um or feel like that. We know that we can be in the same room with somebody and they can be sad and we can care that they're sad, but not feel sad. Mm -hmm. Um, and that would or be feel sad for them, mm -hmm. but not take it on. Like it's your sadness. If, if, if you know what I'm saying, it is difficult to describe. It really is. But I think that, you know, I think our listeners can relate to that too. I think this is such a human condition that we can get pulled into especially if we were raised in a situation that wasn't all that healthy so um i know if you guys go back and listen to some of the other episodes the advice here is probably going to be about the same but uh we were talking earlier before we started recording and a lot of times hearing the same information over and over or the same advice helps us to remember it and actually take action so i'm curious say somebody's listening and they realize that maybe they're not in the healthiest relationship at this point in time, what can they do to take responsibility and become more of their own individual person? Well, they need to at first, the very first thing to actually realize, not just intellectually, but, you know, in your, in a gut level that, that you need to become a separate whole, uh, he, let's say, healed, um, healthy and healed, share the same forced for first four letters. That's, they're very related, healed person. Become a complete person in, in yourself because then you can um, genuinely be there for another person without, you know, becoming enmeshed or, or needing to, them to be a certain way or, or controlling them. Uh, and, and the problem um, is that dysfunctional relationships, codependent relationships, aren't really built on love. They, they, it may feel like it, but it isn't because there's a, it's conditional. There's always, uh, you know, 
this expectation attached to everything. You know, if I, you know, give this to you, you're supposed to do this for me, or if I feel this way for you, you're supposed to feel this. That's not love. That's a business transaction. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, because you're, you're dependent. What you're saying is you're dependent right. on that other person, which makes you need to control them. And that's not love. So the first thing to do is you need to realize I need to work on myself, which str strangely enough may not be this. You may not be working on the relationship, quote unquote, at first, because you've got to work on you and getting your stuff together and Another realization that comes with that, and, you know, it's potentially a, a sad one, is that, that you can't make the other person join you in this journey. Uh, and there, there's nothing you can do about that. You can invite them and ask them, but if you start demanding it, you're back into the same old game yeah you know of controlling you've got to let go you know and let god or whatever you would want to call it and then what that means is start finding out through introspection through um journaling through working with a coach or a therapist or you know joining a 12-step group start to get a grip on you know i would say getting defining so to speak or gaining an understanding of what your actual issues are because before you start this journey you you don't usually know Right. All you know is that it, it it's lousy and it and it hurts, and we we're in this you know painful dance, but you don't know why what's going on. So, the first thing to do is to take the focus off the relationship, and put it on yourself, and start shining a light inside. You know, and and what's in the dark down there and trying to shine a flashlight on, a floodlight on that. And chances are good that you have some healing to do because as I mentioned earlier, codependent relationships arise out of um, an environment that when you grew up that was abusive in some way so there is those codependent behaviors are i don't know it's a word I, that comes to mind is fueled mm -hmm. they're fueled by the woundedness inside of us because they're compulsions and they're, they're trying to uh reenact something some kind of family drama that you were involved in or trying to complete something with somebody that should have you should have completed it with you know as a 
young person, but you're you're trying to complete it now, and you're you're trying to complete it with the wrong person. Um, and so it means looking inside and saying, what are what are my dysfunctional behaviors? Um, am I controlling? Am I manipulative? Am I demanding? Am I uh, always resentful? Um, how do I treat this person? Um, are my is my love true love or is it more of a what I a transaction? And you know that kind of introspection and can lead and more there's more questions that can lead you to the source because you you have to go to the source because i've known people for many years in recovery who've tried to do this work what i call in their head they they kind of know the answers intellectually and so they try to implement them Cog, you know, cognitively with an act of the will, but it, it never, it doesn't work because the unconscious is actually running the show and inevitably, and I do mean inevitably, inevitably sabotages and undermines what you're trying to do. So the work has to occur at both an intellectual level and at a deep emotional level, they have to be like connected together. That's kind of what wholeness means. If you think about it is, is being connected. All the parts of yourself are, 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 are connected um, and in communication with each other. And so, you know, some kind of healing journey probably needs to take place. But along with that healing, I, I'm guessing for most folks also is asking a, a, an even deeper question, um, which is somewhat below the level of, of the woundedness, and that's who, who am I really? Yeah. Um, what's my authentic God-given identity? Because I think each one of us has one and it gets twisted and um, damaged and concealed by growing up in dysfunctional families where we were not mirrored by our parents. Uh, we were shamed for being who we were. So we had to go into hiding. That's what happens essentially is you if you grow up in a in a shaming environment, you kind of you, your inner self goes into hiding, and you lose touch with it, and you know you can end up living a, a, a false life, or having big chunks of it false. Like you may just realize that you know, I this career I'm in just does not does not suit me, or you know other things, you know friendships. Who knows? But, you know, the journey is self-discovery and healing and 
I also want to start want to mention boundaries. That's a concept of it's the opposite of this enmeshment. You know, in the in enmeshment, there's no boundaries. There's right. no sep no separation between me and you. We're kind of intermeshed. Boundaries mean, you know, I know where I start and I stop, and I know where you begin. And even going back to your mentioning earlier, the foundation of the ability to have compassion for someone but not take it on is having these boundaries. Because what, you've, what you're doing is you're realizing it, those feelings of that person aren't mine. That's what a boundary means. That's you, their stuff. I can have compassion for them, but I don't need, I can't, I, taking it on is not my job. Yeah, and to go back and reference an earlier podcast that we were doing, um, no is a complete sentence. So Absolutely. If playing with boundaries and you don't want to do something, it's okay to say no. And you don't have to be nasty about it. You can just say no. Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, if you're nasty about it, that, that might create problems because <laughs> then you're, you're hooking that person on an emotional level, which gets you back into the, the dysfunctional dance that you are trying to avoid. Um, you know, a kind, uh, gentle, just plain no doesn't leave the other person with much material, so to speak, to work with to try to make you look like you're the bad person. Right. Yeah. I think that I'm thinking of another example. <laughs> when somebody's starting out, there's a lot of good books out there, I think, on setting boundaries too, and you could probably Google search it. But if you are just starting out and new to setting boundaries, telling someone, I need to set boundaries with you and then expecting them to figure out what those boundaries are doesn't work. I've <laughs> no, no. Again, that would that's a, an example of enmeshment. Right, right. You know, you're you're expecting the other person to know your boundaries. That's if that's not enmeshment, I don't know what is. Right. You know, you're the one that has to determine what is okay for you and what is not okay. Right. And when I need to take care of myself, you know, um, may in involve setting boundaries at work, uh, which a lot of people are afraid to do, and I understand why. But ultimately, your well-being psychologically, emotionally, and physically uh, will depend on, on the ability to set boundaries. I also think that people you know, even though it's a little frightening and there's a risk there, I think that people will respect you more if you set boundaries and you stick to them. I think that's the other key, right? Um, yeah, very much so. I I think you're absolutely right. I, I don't know why, but the, a darker part of our personality, uh, or maybe just some people's, I don't know, is that um, they walk on people that let them. Yeah. For sure. And, yeah. If you set a boundary and you're firm about it, they, they, they're taking it back. 
and they begin to respect you, you know. Um, somebody, something I was taught was you train other people to respect you. Right. And it's through setting boundaries. It's not through intimidation or telling them that they're going to respect you. It's about, you know. It's not about power and domination, which right. many people uh, mistake it for. It's, it's about the ability to, uh, to set boundaries with people and, and stick to them. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So part of this, we talked about doing developing mature, healthy, balanced relationships in recovery. So does this take on a different or deeper, uh, I don't know, meaning when somebody's in recovery? Like, do they need to take some time and really be by themselves for a while if you're in recovery? Yeah, that's the thing most people in recovery hate to hear. They just hate to hear it. And if, like, their sponsor tells them, the answer is usually yes, 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 meaning I hear you, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. And the advice is don't get involved in a relationship for, like, a year or maybe even two years. And if you're in early recovery, I think that's one of the best things you can do for yourself because if you're constantly in a, in, a co- in a relationship, then you're constantly in the ch- emotional turmoil, churning and you know drama and insanity of codependence. And you will be completely unable to work on yourself because you will be in constant emotional turmoil and, if you are in early recovery from substance abuse, you run a fair risk of, of being triggered to go going back to your addiction yeah. because, you know, the pain of abandonment from relationships that fall apart can be quite deep. And a lot of people, they, they, they just fall apart and they go back to using. Um, and... I think the best gift you can give yourself is time to heal and time to work on yourself without all these outside, you know, pressures and hooks, emotional hooks, and use that time to do that work that I'm talking about and really, really get going on the inner uh, healing journey that you need to go on and and the self-discovery because when you make significant progress along those lines and you go back to beginning relationships they they still won't be perfect uh, but they'll be better uh, than they were and there's another thing I think is a, this is difficult for people also. If they're a, if first I would say work on yourself for a year or two, and don't get involved in, you know, male female or any kind of intimate relationship. But if you get if you're done with that part, 
I did this and it helped me a lot. It was to form a friendship, a non-sexual friendship with someone of the opposite sex. Or, or the opposite for, of who you're attracted to. Yeah. And that was so beneficial because I started figuring out that, um, how, how to do that. Mm-hmm. And the foundation of a healthy relationship, if you think about it, is a friendship. Right. Where there, you're not c- controlling each other. Uh, you know, when there's no, the sexual component isn't there, all the other hooks aren't there either. So you're not trying to control each other. You're not trying to manipulate each other. You're not, there's no hidden agendas. Um, all that stuff's gone. Mm-hmm. And so you learn how to relate to another person as a separate person and not as an extension of you or of your agenda. And that was so valuable for me. I I did that. And I think that's why I'm successful in my marriage, actually, is that I, I did that. I would agree with you. I, I did this something very similar in, I think it was the end of 2008. Um, I was, I had just gotten divorced and I didn't, I knew I didn't want to get into a relationship right away, even though I wanted to get into a relationship right away. And so I just focused on finding men who had qualities that I found that I admired and that I wanted to have around me, but that weren't necessarily normal or comfortable for me. And mm-hmm. just became strictly platonic friends with them, and it changed a lot for me. I was able to, like you said, learn a new way of being. And thinking back too to, I think it was episode five, and I can link to that in the show notes. But I had Dr. Loretta Bruning on, and she talks a lot about your neurochemicals. And if anybody's thinking, you know, the idea, especially in the beginning of that, oh my gosh, no relationship for a year sounds like eternity. Like what if I miss out on the one, right? Mm-hmm. And if somebody feels panicky and you have that coming up, one of the easiest things to do is just sit with that and breathe through it. And you'll realize if you don't feed into the thoughts that that feeling will pass. It will pass. All feelings pass. Yeah. That's one of the things I learned. Just sit with it, even if it's a word that I won't use, but it will pass. That's such a surprise when when you come in recovery. And um, the idea that there's just the one, I think, is a myth. Uh, it's not true. I think love, love can be, you know, can form in surprising places. I, my dad had a saying when I was a kid, he, and I... I, I had a, a lot, a lot of trouble with my dad, but he had, he had said, he had said, Dean, there's always another bus. <laughs> yes. I actually heard something similar yesterday. I was in a meeting and they said, you know what? The deal of the century comes around every week. <laughs> yes, actually that is true. Yeah. So you are not going to miss out on the one. In fact, you are tilling the ground for the one to work. Yeah. 
because nobody wants to be needed that bad. It's it might be fun and exciting initially, but it's suffocating. Suffocating. That's a great word. Yeah, suffocating. It's that's one of the really bad parts of codependency is that suffocation. Yeah, in a healthy relationship, you're not suffocated. No, and I do want to specify too, we're not talking about two people living together but never talking or never having interaction or not having agreements. We're talking about a healthy relationship where people communicate and you know, if there is something that you need, you ask for it. And if the person agrees, then awesome. And if not, then that's got to be okay, too. Um, mm -hmm. you can yeah. Still do things together and have a great time together. It's just not. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't talk about the us part yet. Yeah, which, let's which talk about that. You're getting to. I, I was, you know, there can be no true us unless there's two true eyes that's another thing i was taught and i learned there can be no true us unless there's first two true eyes but what what is in us it's sh sharing what, what you share love you know passion hopefully for each other maybe passion for you know some th certain things in life that you you know you you both enjoy and love doing um, and maybe even some kind of venture that you like to do together. Um, it could be a, a spiritual um, path, part of it. Um, but then it's finding time, you know, to invest in all of those things that you share and um, enjoying them. Uh, the thing that's missing is, and, and this is a good thing, you're sharing it and enjoying it, but the drama is gone. You know, there's no drama. That's why a lot of people in recovery are not attracted to healthy people at first because they find them boring. Mm. But what's actually going on and uh, again, this is something I learned, is they are uh, drawn to what they think is excitement, but it's actually a compulsion toward drama. And I think, we, not to go victim, but I think our society and media and social media, it all feeds into that which is also a chemical addiction because of the chemicals that our brain produces and the stress and the cortisol that comes from it. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah. So they're Loving drawn to excitement. Relationships, uh, have a deep feeling of peace mm. at, at the core, which is different from boredom. Believe me. So peace is often mistaken for boredom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, peace and serenity and, you know, love and acceptance and warmth, uh, you know, is not built on a Ferrari going, you know, 120 miles an hour. Right. 
it's shared moments of every day and um, enjoying intimacy and the ability to communicate uh, with each other with without the manipulations. And, it, you know, once you have those boundaries, you, you, the beautiful thing is you can really listen to the other person in, in a way like you never could before and really hear them. And that builds closeness. It's, it's such a paradox that the true closeness is built on psychological differentiation. What do you mean by that? The two true eyes where you're not, you can listen deeply and compassionately because you're not enmeshed mm. that person and you're not taking it on and it's not triggering you and it's not making you, you know, re react to them uh, in some way that's so inappropriate or is acting out or is, you know, take, taking on their stuff. Um, it's presence, mm. authentic presence. I love that. I strive for that. Well, and I like the part that you added in here about it being mature, because I think that what you're describing is the ideal mature relationship. And that yeah. doesn't really have anything to do with age. It's just something that's more real. Yeah. It feels very real. Mm. Uh, that's a good point. The, the drama piece never has a feeling. It, feeling it, there's, the feeling underneath it is there's no, no floor. Right. That's because there isn't. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no foundation to it, not, not any real foundation. But in a healthy relationship, it does feel like there's a floor. There's, there's, there's a foundation. And it's built atop mute, this mutual respect and, and love and, and caring about each other and listening to each other and sharing experiences um, and allowing each other to have their own experiences. You know, that you, you don't have to do everything together, um, which is another thing that codependent people thinking you have to do everything together. But if there's a you and a me and an us, that means each person may do some things, you know, separately because the other person doesn't enjoy them or whatever. And that's, that's fine. Right. You know? You have anything else that comes to mind on this topic? Let me rack my brain. I feel like we've covered a lot. Boy. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think we have, I think that I'll, Think of whatever it is five minutes after we hang up, but I can't, I can't, I can't think of anything uh, right now. If you do, let me know and we'll continue it. I just, um, you know, want to take a moment and thank you for being willing to go on this journey with me over the past six episodes that we've done over what, two weeks now. So this is a lot that you've been willing and to go deep on. And I appreciate that. Um, and for everyone that's listening, if you would like to connect with Dr. Rob, then do it. I think that you can tell um, 
not sure at what point we'll get the videos out, but between the video and the audio, you can tell that he's very compassionate. He's been there. He understands the pain and the fear associated with it, and he knows what's on the other side. And I truly, like, I look forward to hopefully working with you in future projects. We'll keep that out there and see what happens. That's a little bit down the road. But, um, yeah, I think that if anybody's interested or even thinks they might be interested, that they should reach out and connect with you. Yeah, you want me to tell them how? Please. Um, My website is uh, nextstagerecovery.com. Next Stage Recovery. Uh, my email is Dr. Rob at drrobb at nextstagerecovery.com. And my office uh, phone is area code 908-757-4721. And if you guys missed that or you're out driving, you can always come back to the show notes at addictionsupportpodcast.com forward slash episode 44. And I'll have all that listed in there as well. All right. Once again, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode and this whole series of episodes. If you have any questions about the other podcasts or you want to reach out to Dr. Rob, you can come back to addictionsupportpodcast.com forward slash episode 44 and you can find all the information there. And also if you have any questions for Dr. Rob that you'd like to leave in the show notes in the comment section down below, please go ahead and do that. Or if you'd like to reach out to us privately, we're here and would love to talk to you as well. I hope that you got a lot of value out of this whole series. And if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to the other episodes and see you surrounded with light and love. Whatever you're going through, you're not alone and you're going to get through it. So I love you. Make it a great day. Thank you for listening to the Addiction Support Podcast. Addiction support for family and friends from people who've been there. www.addictionsupportpodcast.com.